0: welcome back to over here my name is nick finzer and today i'm really excited because we're talking to the great drummer and band leader overall great guy and uh writer of interesting music thoughtful arrangements thoughtful tunes that's philippe lem the drummer he's back with his trio for the second album and they have an amazing tour lined up on top of everything else and philippe has been doing it all himself and um I mean, I do a lot of things myself, but I really commend Philippe for how much he's been able to get done. Uh, And there's one important detail that I forgot to mention during the course of the conversation that we had about the new record and about all of the things he's up to, is that he's also been playing drums with Grace Kelly, the great saxophonist. So he is not only an in-demand sideman, but a great leader and overall great dude. So, Without further ado, I'm going to let you hear the conversation that Philippe and I had about his new album, City Birds, already out now, came out on September 7th. So go to your favorite place to support artists and grab his new record, City Birds. All right, so welcome back to Philippe Lem, and we're really excited because his new album, City Birds, came out just a few weeks ago. And so welcome back, Philippe. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me, Nick.
0: Uh let's just jump right in. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the new album, City Birds?
1: Uh sure. Well, it's um it's a second album from uh from my trio with uh Jeff uh, Koch on bass and Angela Duoretto on the piano. And for this album, we have also one track where we collaborated with a Dutch hip-hop artist, Brainpower. Uh he did some of the music for the new Denzel Washington movie. Um And the record is a collection of material that we've been working on for the last two years. Um, Some songs are inspired by TV shows. like We have a song, a dedication to Arya Stark from Game of Thrones. And we have a song that is coming out of a Black Mirror episode. And the song is entitled Anyone Who Knows What Love Is, which is uh, sung by Irma Thomas. Like an old song from the 50s, a doo-wop song. And, yeah, it sort of continues where our first record, New Amsterdam, um, where it ended. And this is the second page of the book. (laughs) Yeah, sure. So tell us a little
0: bit about um, how it came to be that you did the collaboration with uh, Brainpower.
1: So Brainpower, I mean, I guess most people in the U.S. don't know him yet. I mean, he's doing some stuff in English now as well. But he used to be, you know, on the radio when I was a teenager. <laughs> oh, nice. So people know his songs and he had hits. And uh, yeah, he's been in the, in, in like on the scene for a while. And I think, I don't know exactly how we got connected, but at some point he reached out to me. I got like a, a WhatsApp, I think. And he was like, hey man, I've been listening to your music and your trio sounds awesome and I would love to collaborate. Oh, so wow. I was like, man, it would be great. So we got in touch. And, uh, and we were doing a tour in April in Europe and we had a couple days off, so I booked the studio and we, we were jamming, we, we played some of his songs and actually the take that felt the best was something that we improvised. We played this groove, it was very late, I think 11 p.m. or midnight in the studio. And we were just like jamming, and I was playing this groove, and Jeff came up with his bass line, and it was really like a one-take thing that felt good. And uh, that made it to the record. And he did some spoken word over it; that's very beautiful. The song is called Elvie.
0: Elvie. And I, well, you guys released that as a single even a couple weeks before the record came out. So that's up on Spotify if you want to check that out. Are you guys going to do anything with
1: him? Elvie is actually not, LV is not on Spotify yet. No, it's not. Uh, I can't keep
0: track. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, no, we have one track out on Spotify, which is the first song from the album, which is a song written by the piano player Angelo Di Loretto, and the song is "Emerge." Right, uh, right. And Elfie will be released, I think, the day before we're doing our main city release show in Amsterdam at the Concertgebouw, which is the, oh, wow. the the Dutch version of the of Carnegie Hall, pretty much. So I'm very excited for that. And Brainpower will be there to perform something with us. Uh, we'll do Elfie, so that will be released uh, on October 10th and the concert is on, on October 11th in Amsterdam.
0: Beautiful. That's, uh, thank you for clarifying. Uh, yes. Sorry, two songs that start with E. I got confused. Um, so that's awesome. So tell us a little bit more about this tour that's coming up. I know it's a pretty big tour.
1: Yeah, we're, almost, we're going to be on the road for almost a month, which is uh, the longest that the trio has been uh, touring. We have been like two-week stretches max and now we're going for for close to a month we'll start in the Netherlands where we play in Kultuurschip Tor in Zwolle then we'll do a workshop at, and a concert at Paradox in Tilburg then on October 11th we'll be at the Concertgebouw in Amsterdam which is yeah super exciting It's the, definitely the dig- biggest performance hall uh, we've played in so far um, then we'll, in, we'll be in Utrecht in Tivoli, then in Blue Note Session Muziekgebouw Eindhoven, and then in Wassenaar. Uh, then we'll have like a little bit of time off, like one day actually, and then we'll go on to Belgium where we have a run, and we go to Germany for a couple days, and then we'll be in the UK and Scotland for how long? A little bit over a week. Nice. We and I
0: heard uh, you might have a sold out set at uh, ronnie scott's is that right
1: it is actually sold out as we speak uh there are no more tickets available for that set um i think the second set well we're opening there for uh, kurt elling mm. which is super nice so i'm pretty sure people bought tickets for kurt <laughs> not for us
0: no they bought them for you what are you talking about
1: yeah <laughs> well it's cool it's the first time we're playing in the uk and the first time we play in london um clearly and uh um yeah Ronnie Scott's is the premier jazz venue in the UK and uh, for us to be able to play there on a Saturday night you know I think it's a very nice time slot we have 7 to 8 p.m and uh and it's sold out so you know we're gonna have a lot of people being introduced to the trio and to our music so yeah I'm very excited about that
0: man that's incredible like really incredible and it just speaks volumes to the amount of dedication and time that you put into the trio and um because if people don't know, like you put most of this stuff together yourself.
1: I put all of it together myself, yes. It's a, it's a lot of work and you're wearing many different hats. You switch from being the booking agent to being the publicist to being the tour manager because there's a lot of little logistical uh, or logistics you have to take care of. I mean, I've done these things before. This is definitely one of the bigger ones uh, and I'm, almost, I'm pretty much done with it now. Um, But yeah, it's 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 a lot.
0: So, a lot of the people that listen, you know, are musicians or they're interested in behind the scenes of the industry. Do you have any, you know, thoughts or suggestions of people that are like, wow, I want to be able to do that for myself too?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, I do have a lot of thoughts and ideas about it, and it's. I mean, we could spend a whole (laughs) on that, you know, because there's a lot to it. Totally. Um, I think, first of all, well, that's almost a given, but you should be really uh, convinced about the music that you're making. Like, I think that the music I'm making with the trio is very could have a potential very large audience. It's not very overcomplicated modern jazz. Not to uh, not to say that there's no place for that, but I think that I could reach a lot of people and not just complete jazz insiders. Um, that's a little bit of a side note, but it ties into what venues you want to approach and uh, how much tickets you think you can sell. Um, I do think as a rule of thumb, if you want to do a tour, it's good to plan like a year in advance and not because venues book a year in advance. I mean, some they do, but it's, there's a lot of time lost from establishing contact with a venue until the point that they're actually confirming the gig. And by the time you're ready to sort of confirm the gig, you're usually wasted a couple of months already with just, like, trying to get a hold of this person. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. I, I would say a month in advance or a year in advance is a good place to start. Um, being organized, meaning, like, if you're going to send out a lot of emails, you need to keep track somehow of who you emailed. And, um, yeah, there are a lot of sort of... There are a lot of... Um, practical things you have to keep in mind, which basically comes down to being organized and, and being consistent. It's like practicing your instruments. Like if you want to be good at your instrument, you have some sort of an approach and usually that comes by school comes up with that approach for you. So you just follow what people tell you to do, but they thought about what's a good order. And I think it's the same thing for booking. Um, I'm working on an app now with, uh, with a friend of mine that would help this uh, booking process um but we will talk about that more later that sure. sort of yeah. incorporates all of these aspects that we are uh we're talking about with moving in advance and reaching out to the venue in a certain way and sort of um yeah but yeah. Now maybe we'll, we'll do and staying organized yeah maybe we'll do another episode
0: where we can talk more about all that stuff because there's a lot that goes into it like you said but um, I mean, it really is incredible. So if you haven't checked out what Philippe is up to, you need to uh, be watching and copying maybe some of these things that he's talking about. But so, how? Let's move back to the music and the band a little bit. So, could you yeah. talk a little bit more about what you're just saying? You were talking about expanding your audience beyond you know just the typical insider jazz fan. Like, so what is the? How has the approach for the band kind of developed over the last couple of years?
1: Um. So we started off. Uh, we were classmates at the Manhattan School of Music and like many students in a school you get together and you play you organize session sometimes you play standards or you play some original compositions and in our case we usually just started playing like we didn't even say oh let's play this song or this song like I would play a rhythm or Angela would come up with some progression and that approach seemed to work very well so definitely in in the first couple of years, we we just got together and played a lot, and then usually we would move it into a standard, or it would move into a song, or or it got some more concrete uh, form. But it definitely started out like that, and we followed. We created our own elective when we were at the Manhattan School, which was um, how the different ways how a trio can can function. So we took lessons with John Riley, Ted Rosenthal, and Jay Anderson. And what they did is we played for them and they gave us ideas of how to, how to improvise. So it could be uh, one of the exercises was like, you're going to play a standard, but you're only going to reveal in the bridge what song it is. So you're going to be pretty vague about everything in the A sections, if it's an AABA form, let's say. Or you're going to play only Herbie songs, but you're going to move from one to the next. Or you're, one person is going to start and you're going to kind of build on that before you're moving into any standard. So the beginning of the band was definitely that we played a lot of improvisational uh, concepts. Um, and now I think the music tends to be more composed. We'll definitely use these same techniques and, and approaches when we, when, when we are accompanying a soloist. If Angela is playing a solo, me and Jeff have ideas that we can can kind of to to make it a little bit different every night, but the music became more composed and a bit more arranged um and the covers that we do they tend to come from the more classic rock background, yeah, so I think that's a that's a big development
0: so how do you find do you find that like doing more composed stuff versus having lots of solos? affects the audience in a different way do you think
1: i well not necessarily but i myself if i listen to bands and if they're like of course there are exceptions but usually if i listen to modern jazz bands um like it's really really focused on solo on playing solo over something which is totally fine but personally i Tend to get bored with it unless they are like amazing, of course. Then you know, um, I I can only hear so many eighth note lines <laughs> in a set. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: And um, I found out that the things that work for me, and that's just more a personal thing. I like it more when the song is very strong, and the solo just functions as a part in the song. It's not the f- main focus is not on the solo for me. Um, Of course it's great if you can build something energetic and engaging and sort of spectacular in the moment, but that's not the aim for me. It's about the song and about delivering that really well. And the solo is of course an important part of it, but it's not the main focus. And uh, I saw Camila Meza play with the Nectar Orchestra maybe a year and a half ago at uh, Rockwood, and all the songs were just so good and they were so to the point uh, and then once she played the solo, it just made complete sense. You know, it was just like continuing the story of the song into the next section, which which I thought was such a beautiful use of playing solo or of an improvisation. Um, so there's definitely a room for that to 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 do that. I just think for this band, uh, we value the the song over the solo.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, that's a, that's that totally makes sense. It's just it it's very um it's not that it's strange or anything i'm just actually just thinking about my own situation and like i think that the strongest bands like you know they definitely focus on you know as much of the written material as the improvisation and i was just thinking that it it's from a practical standpoint as a horn player going on tour getting different bands all the time, you can't even get to that place. And I'm, so I guess what I'm saying is I'm jealous of uh, the fact that you guys (laughs) have been playing so long together and you're able to like focus in on such detail and everything like that.
1: And man. right i mean also credit to jeff and Angela because they are extremely dedicated and they um and and it's it's a rarity almost in new york to have musicians that are uh that they will they would clear their schedule for things they would prioritize the band over a lot of things and i'm very lucky with that because um yeah it's sometimes very impractical because people are busy you know they're playing in 10 different bands and they they need to make money and um and i I believe some people they can get to a high level of detail very quick because they they just get music very quickly or <laughs> like super talented musicians
0: sure.
1: I think as a, a piano trio format where things are a little bit more naked um, yeah you want if you want to get a bigger sound and kind of completely use the full potential of the palette of of, of uh, options sound wise that you have to really make a strong statement. It is about the details, and it is about uh, sort of agreeing on those. Like you're all facing the same way. Um, so it it is it is. I'm lucky that I have a, have bandmates that are are dedicated and are willing to put the time into to, to get to that level of detail where everybody feels very confident about the product in the end, the result.
0: Well, I hope that all of this kind of chatter about all this will inspire people to go and buy. The record so to check it out uh, and support you guys because you guys are doing amazing work Uh, i want to turn the focus back a little bit to the record and because you have really really some beautiful artwork and i was hoping you might be able to share a little bit about um, the actual art artwork that inspired some of the record
1: yeah so the artwork is made by a new york painter called greg anthony miller and he is based studio studios in dumbo i think I used to have this restaurant gig in a French restaurant in Harlem and they had a wall where they had uh some New York artists put up some of their work. And I remember that I saw these things and they were these big wooden panels with these very colorful birds on it and I I thought it was beautiful. Just I'm not that much of a like an art connoisseur that I would go to galleries to buy paintings because usually they're way out of my price range. Sure. Um, but this painting because I played there every week I saw it and I was like man i really or this painting this yeah piece of art I really would like to have that and somehow I wanted to have it <laughs> so I asked the owner if he could bring me in touch with the artist and I did and the artist said like well you're actually lucky because I'm about to sign with this big gallery and if I do that all my work will be curated by them so I can't really sell it personally anymore so he said you're probably one of the last ones that can just buy this work for me Directly from me, so I bought this painting and was in my living room and at some point, you know when you're making a record, you're thinking about how you're going to package it and and uh, and the name of the record also, and it sort of tied into that painting that was just staring at me whenever I had my morning coffee <laughs> yeah. and I thought, man, city birds that's really cool, and I would like him to make the artwork for it, plus, I live in Harlem in New York and there is this sort of art project going on where on a lot of the storefronts, when they're closed, uh, a group of artists, they they made these birds. So big murals of birds. Um, so they are also in, in my neighborhood in New York where I live, I see these birds. So it's a little bit of a of ties in with the idea of city birds. Um, and then more from a, from a maybe philosophical point of view, um, I think especially for a busy city like New York, the moment you can pay, take a bit of distance, uh, and put things in perspective. Um, it's, uh, it's a much more, you, you, you appreciate the city even more. Like if you're really in the middle and you get caught up in all the day to day activities, like running around to, to make everything happen. Um, it can be very stressful and, and lonely and, uh, and competitive, and all of the the bad things that come, you know, with a big city. But if you zoom out and you see, you know, how everything sort of relates on a on a larger scale, it's actually it's more peaceful than you think. And um, yeah, to see the bigger picture makes things clearer. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's maybe how I describe it, but it's some sort of a comforting thought.
0: Sure, and uh, I know that you kind of. Did you you guys kind of like assigned like the birds to each of you? Is that...
1: That's true. Yeah, we did these tests. Uh, What kind of bird are you? (laughs) (laughs) So what the character of typical bird, like of a specific bird is. And uh, these were the birds that were relating to us. So... uh, Do you remember which was which? Yeah, I'm the middle one, the blue one, the Macau, if I pronounce it right. Um, Angelo is like a falcon. I... Wasn't sure what kind of falcon is. I can look that up. And Jeff uh, is this green parrot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's super cool. Well, I think it's really awesome, and I really look up to you know the thought that you put into these records and the band and how tight you guys are. And um, do you guys have anything coming up in New York?
1: Yes, we have our New York City release on October fourth at the Cornelia Street Cafe, which I think doors open at nine. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be um, our last show in New York for a while, because then we'll be on the road for a while. Um, Now, the European tour is indeed like a month from October 8th till November 2nd. And then we'll do some things in December in in Baltimore and in East Meadow and D.C., and then January will be Florida, and then March will be Canada. Like It sort of goes on from there, but there is the last show in New York is Cornelia Street Cafe, October 4th.
0: Amazing. So, Philippe, thank you very much for being here. Can you let everyone know where they can find you, find your music?
1: Yes, they can find the music on my website, uh, philippelem.com. Uh, they can find the music on the Outside In music uh, website, uh they can find on amazon there's one track on spotify you can go to the facebook page Philip Lem trio and instagram philly blam i think that's it <laughs> that's
0: good there's a lot of places yes amazing well i can't wait to see how the tour goes and uh, what comes next for you guys so thanks again for being here
1: Thank you for asking, Nick. Thanks.
0: And there you have it. That's Philippe Lem and all about the trio. Go to PhilippeLem.com to see the trio tour dates for Europe, for the United States. Uh, Lots of things coming up for them over the next six months. Also be watching uh, for the eventual dropping of that album, City Birds, on Spotify and all these streaming platforms. Right now it is physical only because he wants you to see the great artwork uh, that they had commissioned for this and to hear the music, and to support artists. And so we highly encourage you to go and get a physical copy, uh, even if it's just for the artwork. I know a lot of people don't have CD players, uh, but he would like you to see it. So go and check that out, philippelum.com, follow on Instagram, etc. We are here each and every Monday with a podcast. I know a lot of you have left some reviews. If you do enjoy leaving reviews, we always love seeing your feedback about the podcast and seeing who we should get on in addition to our artists' ideas for new shows and all of that sort of stuff. So thank you so much for listening. We can't believe the amount of support we've been able to get. Uh, And if you like what you're hearing, the only thing we ask is that you share it with a friend. Uh, And we're not even asking. But if you'd like to, that would be awesome. So thanks for being here. See you again next week on Over Here. Take care.